It's time for Heatwave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heatwave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. It's a wonderful Saturday night, Las Vegas. Welcome. Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. The first of the back-to-back shows this weekend. Tim Unglesby, as I said, with Mateo here in Vegas. And, of course, my partner back in the seat. He so rightfully deserves to sit in after a week off. Mr. Tom Hard, Tommy, always great to have you back, man. Yeah, it's good to be back. You know, I, I love the uh, the time off. I love the relaxation. But it, you know, it's it's it gets to you. And people that you know are just listening to the radio. You don't listen to the radio. You don't uh, listen to sports radio. You don't catch sports for you know, a couple of days. You start getting withdrawals. Well, it's doubly for me. You know, I, I'm I'm sitting here going, ah, I need to get on. I need to start talking. I need to get ramped up. And Tim, it's kind of the home stretch. I mean, I'm sitting here right now watching football and training camp news and getting ready and going, I got to get my fantasy draft going. We, we got about a month, about a month from today, you know, about 30 days from today is kind of where we're sitting 30 days from 31 days, actually, you know, from today, it will be that Thursday night game. So we are in the home stretch, Tim. A month away from NFL football. That puts us, Tommy, 20 days away from college football. So the first game of the Collegiate football season will be Friday night, August the 26th, Nevada, Reno, at New Mexico State. And, Tom, we already have a number. The Nevada, Reno Wolfpack, a 10.5-point favorite on the road. Give me the dog. <laughs> give, give me the dog. on The your keyword you just said, on the road, Tim. Give me the dog. Home dog laying double or getting double digits, right? Yeah, I, Why? And that that leads into a it's, a it's not it's not a normal Saturday card, but it's a pretty pretty uh, good amount of games the next day, and then of course the following week everything just all uh, all heck breaks loose after that. Tom, the college football season clearly will be underway at that point, and tomorrow we'll start talking a little college football leading into. We get the week off next week because it's my birthday week, Tom. we got to take the week off. And then when we come back on the, I believe it's the 20th, we're, we're nonstop after that. We have not only college football, which you just said it, we'll break down all the NFL, get you our winners, our uh, award winners. We'll get you everything you need to know leading into that first game or that Thursday night game. And, Tommy, hopefully – Actually, I think you said you're going to miss the Thursday night game, or is it the Monday night game? I, I don't remember now. No, it looks like I'm not going to come in until Friday. So okay. I'm going to miss that Thursday night game, um, and then um, I'll be around for the Monday night game. Okay, perfect. Yeah, the the boring Monday night game. That's why I wanted to come in, but I know you're not going to be in town, so there's no reason right. to come in then. I get back Friday afternoon. so And that will lead into, Tom, and I can announce it, knowing that as long as there's not a technical difficulty, we should be good here. We're going to be on the live on the Las Vegas Strip Saturday night, September the 10th, over at Cabo Wabo. How about that? Yeah, it's going to be cool. 
Cabo Wabo, definitely that fun happening place. I love to do live remotes. We're back. We're fully uh, kind of healed here. It, it's it's all it's all good, Tim. Before we dive into tonight's agenda, kind of a limited one, but that's okay because we'll, we'll spend a lot of time on what we're going to talk about. You did get a little re, uh, recharge. You, you, just, you know, you had, the batteries were getting a little low. You just had to pump a little more juice into it, Tom. But you said you were kind of out of it. I think you said in a text earlier to me, I'm still catching up to what's going on. But uh, just crazy. Just going back, we want to start like Tuesday. It's been a just a hectic, hectic week, man. It really has. You know, it, it's kind of funny because – yeah, I was uh, I was up at a cabin. I say camping; it really wasn't camping for anybody that knows what camping is. I was up at the uh, up at a cabin, um, and you know, you you have reception, but it's spotty at best. But with that being said, you also have nothing to do during the day. <laughs> you know, it, literally nothing to do. You know, mm-hmm. playing, you know, fishing and you know, hiking a little bit. You do you know the walks and uh, some games and stuff like that. But on Monday night and to Tuesday. I was just glued to my phone, sitting outside, sitting under this tree that weirdly gave me great reception. And I just sat there refreshing my phone and going, wow, refreshing my phone and going, oh boy, refreshing my phone and go, wow. And anybody that, that follows me on Twitter, it's at Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. You saw me making comments and I, it, it seemed like I was just making comment after comment day after comment because it was Wow. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, that just happened. Oh, hold, hold on. Wait. Oh, wow. Oh, hold that, that. That just happened. I mean, it was kind of all in. Here we go. Back to back to back to back to back. And it was it was kind of a unique trading deadline because everyone said it was going to be nuts. And I, I mentioned this on my Sports Garden Network show last Sunday. Um, I said, you know, everyone's talking about how crazy the deadline is going to be. And when I did my show, I do it at 11 o'clock. Uh, 11 to 1 every day, East Coast time, every Sunday, East Coast time. And that Sunday, I was kind of poking fun. I said, oh, they're going to say it's the craziest trading deadline of all time. Uh, I don't know. Nothing's really happened. You know, Luis Castillo went down and that was about it. Well, it turned into pretty wild. And I'm not only talking about the big trades, Tim. It was the smaller trades that kind of opened up my eyes. We're usually, it just just so it plays out, a lot of times we're the first show and I mean, even nationally, a lot of times, Tom, especially on the West Coast, we're one of the first shows that talk about breaking news or, or the first analysis, you know, during the football season, we're generally your first stop for analysis of what's gone on in that game or the weekend's games. This time it happened during the week. And it's funny to me. And again, you know, a lot of on this show, we just say things because we're those guys. Everybody's all of a sudden an expert on Major League Baseball trading deadline and Juan Soto when a lot of these characters haven't even really discussed it. Like we at length told you what was going to happen. You and I both agreed that Juan Soto was not going to be a Washington National come Tuesday. We, we already knew that was set in stone, yet you have these ham and eggers on air that claim it was a surprise. You know, it, it kills me sometimes that people are allowed to be on radio that have no idea what they're talking about. So what I wanted to do tonight was kind of look at the bigger deals and how it, it's acclimated itself. We're a week, almost a week in now of this trade deadline. I want to see your thoughts on some of these deals, and we'll start with the Juan Soto deal. But I had to get that out that it's amazing because that's the news story of the day that all of a sudden they are an expert on what's going on. When If you don't know what you're talking about, it's okay. Just don't talk about it, right, Tom? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what it is? It's a lot of these people are going by their gut 
or what they think. And what we say on the show all the time, Tim, and, and I, I specifically say it all the time, there are people that are closer to the situation than me. I understand that. There are people that are just closer than you know you can be. Does it mean they're going to be right? No. But a guy that follows a team exclusively and, and you're a beat writer and you kind of talk to him or you follow him and you're paying attention to him and he believes one way. And then somebody else that follows the team sort of believes another way. And then you look at the the other team that is involved and their beat writer sort of feels one way. Well, you got to take your pride out of it. And that's the problem with a lot of sports talk radio. And it's not only a Vegas thing, it's a national thing. These guys think that they're bigger than the sport. They're bigger than uh, the, the players, bigger than everything else. I mean, these guys are, are sitting on a pedestal believing that they're smarter and what they think is smarter as opposed to listening to the general rule. Anybody with any baseball knowledge was telling you that Juan Soto was going to be traded. I told you I left about a 20% window that maybe he wouldn't only because of the ridiculous asking price, right? I told you I was 80% sure, 70% sure, you know, come Sunday afternoon, I was getting a little nervous, but I was I was right there. That's because I was listening to everybody else, Tim. And you, you hear people in sports talk radio, sports talk television, sports writers when they start to get themselves in trouble, it's because they stop listening to people that are closer to the, the team than themselves. If you call me up, Tim, and you say, you know, I know something about, you know, the people in my house. <laughs> I'm going to listen to you as opposed to saying, well, I don't really think that's the situation, Tim, right? Um, so it, it's kind of taking it out of context. So when we talked about Juan Soto, it wasn't because we were both saying, oh, we just think he's going to go. It was because I said to you, Tim, eh, the Washington Nationals beat writers all think he's going to go. Tim, I'm hearing that the Yankees made an offer. Tim, I'm hearing that the Dodgers made this offer. Tim, I'm hearing that this made this offer. Hey, Hall of Fame writers are saying this. Hall of Fame got, you know, we all sort of knew he was going to go if you were paying any attention. And it's if you ask me my opinion, I'll give you my opinion. Whether it's right or wrong, it's an opinion. If you ask me for analysis, I'll give you what I know. If I don't know, my answer is, you know what, Tom? I really don't know a lot about the subject. This is what I've heard, and this is what I think based on what I've heard. But don't take my word as the gospel because I'm not informed in that area. And if I'm informed in the area, other than, like you said, somebody who's close to the situation, I'm going to give you a, a really good opinion because I think I have enough data to back up my opinion. But a lot of shows that I heard this week, even as, as uh, recent as yesterday, and I'm talking locally, guys that it's one thing to read an article or give out the truth nobody needs to know your opinion if you don't know what you're talking about that's the problem is that these guys like to love to listen to themselves talk and a lot of times they're just talking complete garbage and it, it just kills me tom because baseball is something that you and i really spend a lot of time studying and i, I happen to think we have a great knowledge of it so when i hear misinformation it really does bother me you know, Tim, it, it's kind of funny because it goes across sports and it goes to the, the conversation. We were driving home um, and we're listening to Sports Talk Fantasy, Sports Talk Radio, and, and Sports Talk Radio, uh, me and Abby. And you hear about Joe Burrow, who just had an appendectomy, right? Um, and, it's, and the reporter comes on and says, he's going to be out indefinitely. And the guys come on to talk about that. And Abby says, oh, is it serious? And 
I said, no, there's just no timetable. I had my appendix burst, okay? I know a lot of people have had it. But I said, I had my appendix burst, and I remember them telling me, you know, you shouldn't walk for three or four days at least. I was walking in day two. Um, some people are different, so they can't give a timetable. After the commercial came back, the conversation was indefinite is a bad word. Oh, I, I, I think it's bad. Oh, I, it sounds – they went on a tirade about how bad it was that the, the – he had an appendectomy. Now, the hosts then went on to both admit neither one of them had an appendectomy, Tim, <laughs> right? So you're sitting there and you're like, wait a minute, you're speaking on something that you don't know a medical, medically wise. You don't know personally. You have no idea. And they're just doing it for conversation. So, I mean, take it for with a grain of salt. But when we get back to the Juan Soto thing, myself and you, I know Chris Wynn just texted him. We all knew he was going to go. Because people that we respect and trust in this business agreed with us that he was going to go. Yeah. Okay, that was my rant. I just wanted to stew up the uh, the Vegas scene a little bit. That's all. You know. Well, you should. You know, you got to call call out people when they look ridiculous. You know, it is you know, for somebody to sit back and make any kind of definitive notion about Juan Soto that he would not go. You're just flying in the face. You want to be that guy that just disrupts things and does radio for clicks. I mean, that that's all it was. Unless you're just saying, hey, I just want to have an opinion that is completely different than everybody else that is smart on the subject. With all that being said, Juan Soto did get traded Tuesday, Tom. He goes from Washington to San Diego. So it's Juan Soto, Josh Bell to the Padres. The Nationals get a package of... It, it was originally Hosmer, but he refused to, to okay the trade. So it's Luke Voigt, former Yankee, who went to San Diego this offseason, is now back on the East Coast in Washington. And here's what I like about it. You get a group of young players in C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, Robert Hossel III, James Wood, and right-handed pitcher Susana. I, I you know, again, and these are I'm, – now I'm listening to when this trade went down, and I text you right afterwards – when it went down, I'm, I'm watching, I think it was MOB Network, and they had Harold Reynolds on, right? Supposedly the guy is baseball knowledgeable, complaining about how he thought Washington got robbed of this trade. I like the trade, Tom. I like what they got in it. I don't know if they could have done better than that, but you told me that there was a better deal on the table. I wasn't aware of that, but then we go back to what you said is you know people that are closer to the scene in certain cities. From, from my point of view, I thought Washington did well here. Uh, you break it down for us. What do you think? Yeah, look, evaluating prospects is very difficult, Tim, right? I mean, the Yankees deals that I had heard, the Dodgers deals I heard, were generally better deals because we kept hearing that the Washington Nationals wanted a major league ready player. Well, that means something different to everybody because I had heard the Yankees, uh, Glaber Torres was involved in a deal with a Volpe, a Wells, uh, a Dominguez kind of thing. The Dodgers had a Gavin Lux, Dustin May sort of deal uh, brewing apparently there, uh, which included uh, a Cartea, a Miller, and, and a couple of Vargas and a couple other guys. There, there was speculation. First of all, we don't know if it was just floated out there. We don't know that. Um, but when you're evaluating talent, who's to say that wasn't a great return? Hmm. Because from the people that I know that – evaluate minor leaguers and me and you probably know more than everybody in Las Vegas right now on minor league players. I could tell you stats. I've watched games. I've been... Robert Hassel 
may be the number one minor leaguer out there. Now, I think Gunnar Henderson is up there. I think Volpe is up there. There's a couple of guys right there. But if you're an evaluator and you're on uh, on Washington, you may think that Robert Hassel is the number one prospect in baseball. You have a good opinion about Abrams, who, who comes back and middle infielder. He's a guy that you look at and you go, real fast, speedy guy, kind of fits our team. The pitcher that you mentioned, that was kind of the throw-in, quote-unquote. Nobody seemed to mention him. He's like six foot six and throws about 99 miles per hour. I mean, I think the return that they got was fantastic. It Had I not, Tim, had I not heard any other offers or any other rumored offers, that's the deal that I would have said, wow, that was a huge deal. I don't think people understand where Robert Hassel is actually evaluated. I don't think people understand where Abrams was evaluated. I don't think that people understand the kind of haul that they did get back. And they did get a ridiculous haul back. So, you know, you can say, well, they got robbed. Yeah, but you're going on speculation. Again, I do everything when I talk about fantasy sports because it's the only way that we can kind of own a team, sort of. And, you know, you have the guys that go, hey, you know, I like this. What would you do if I threw this out at you? And they're not really making that offer. They're kind of throwing it out there. I believe that that was a lot of uh, speculation. I think that that was a lot of them pushing the price up. Well, the Yankees offered this. I think the leaks were a lot of the you know Washington side saying, hey, they, this is what teams are offering. At the end of the day, they got a, a, a really good core of players, a good core of players that you look at and you say – at the, if you heard nothing else, and I told you about it, if you heard nothing, Tim, and I told you this deal, you would have said, wow, Mackenzie Gore has a chance to be the ace of that staff. Robert Hassel has a chance to win multiple MVPs. That's what he's looking like. C.J. Abrams, middle of the order, you know, shortstop, maybe second baseman, 30-plus steals, 300 hitter possibly. James Wood has had a phenomenal year. And Susanna, who, by the way, like I said, throws 90. If this is one of those deals, Tim, that you could have an ace, a number three batter, your number one batter, your number four batter, and maybe a closer. I mean, they, they really did a great job. But you don't expect that. What you're saying is that if I take a shot on maybe the best arm, Mackenzie Gore two years ago was the number one arm in the minors, maybe the best bat in Hassel, an up-and-comer in the woods, and a solid player in Abrams, if two of them pan out to what we think, we did a great job. I think it was a fine deal. I really do. I I think that they got fair value for Juan Soto. Yeah, I loved it. I, that's the first thing I texted you was, I love this trade. Because it, it, it came in pieces, it seemed like. It wasn't all announced at one time. It just kept updating. And as it updated and more people started being added to the deal, I was like, this is way better because originally when I saw it, Gore wasn't even on the on the page, and I was like, "Wow!" I, I would have thought that would have been one of the top names that they would they would have asked for, and then he popped up on the page, and I'm like, "Okay, I, I like this." And uh, it's another thing, you know how we always talk about when these top hundred lists come out, and we're always like, "There's no credibility to it because it's somebody's opinion." Again, with the grades, oh, how how do you grade these these uh, transactions? And all I saw were Washington D's and F's because it's Juan Soto. You know, it's not a fair article in that, obviously, like you said, it's clickbait. 
you're going to give a team a D or an F for somebody who wasn't going to re-sign to begin with. So it's not a fair to evaluate it that way. Yeah, Juan Soto is the guy, right? He's not coming back, though. That's He would have been there at most, right, Tom, another two years. And then he would have left anyways. He would have got nothing. This was the best deal for them, I think. Tim, if you owned a fantasy dynasty team, okay, with a minor league system, and you were the last place team in a 30-team league, and you had Juan Soto, and his contract was expiring in two years, and I offered you Gore, Hassel, Abrams, Wood, and Susana, you, you sprain a finger hitting the accept button. Yeah, you, you hope right. that nobody objects to it. Right. <laughs> That's how ridiculous. This this deal, we were joking. I, I often talk about I'm in the Dynasty League for like 20 years with huge 30-man minor league systems and whatnot. We were joking. We said exactly that. I wonder how many people would object to this. It's a 16-team league. I bet you six, seven people would have objected to it. Not because of the Soto side, but because of the other side. Now, again, it's prospects. And prospects are only prospects until they come up and they do something. And for every, you know, Mike Trout, uh, you you have a uh, Brandon Wood, right? I mean, for every, uh, you know, successful guy, you have a Delman Young, Brian Taylor. Sure, they could fizzle out. But that's why you get bulk. You know, I think either Hassel or Wood, and I I think the world of Hassel, but I think Hassel or Wood, one of them becoming an all-star. And if Gore or Abrams becomes an all-star, if you get two all-stars out of this, Tim, you're happy and you might get four or five. You might get all five guys contributing to your team. So the Padres ship off a nice haul for Juan Soto, put him in that lineup bell as well. They pick up Brandon Drury later in the afternoon, Tom. So when you look at the Padres, it's obvious they're, they're going, they're going for it, right? You look at it and Tatis is on the way back soon. They're going for it. Where do you put them? Did it change your your mindset of where you think the Padres will be come the postseason? No. Juan Soto didn't move the needle for me. And I talked about this before Juan Soto went there. I said he doesn't move the needle as far as the betting line goes. And he did. They went from 18 to 1 to 10 to 1. But he didn't move the needle for me as far as the betting line went. He didn't move the needle for me as far as do I think that they're going to win He didn't move the needle for me. And it is less because of Juan Soto doesn't make an impact as much as it is, well, I look at the teams around you. I know that the Mets made some minor moves, but the Mets getting back to Grom, before Juan Soto went to San Diego, I thought that the Mets were a better team. Were they healthy to Grom and Scherzer? Afterwards, I think that the Mets are a better team. Before Juan Soto went, I thought the Dodgers were a better team. Now, I know Kershaw just got hurt yesterday, but, you know, Bueller and Kershaw should both be back. They're still a better team. Are the Cardinals a better team? I think it's debatable, but I kind of like what the Cardinals have and what they're doing. They have a better back end of a bullpen, in my opinion, although, you know, look at what else they did uh, you know, later on in the day. I think that the Brewers are right there. I think that Atlanta's right there. So, to me... Before Soto went, and this is why I I brought up what San Diego did later on, before Soto went, I thought that the Padres had an argument to be the third best team in the National League. Um, They probably, for me, landed four or five, but you could argue them three. Afterwards, they didn't jump the number one or two teams, Tim. They pretty much solidified, okay, I think that they're the third best team, but I could still argue four or five. Not much of a movement for me. And when you're talking about, you're talking about World Series, 
they're still be on the Dodgers. They're still be on the Mets. I didn't even get to the American League, which they are behind multiple teams in the American League. It was a good move for San Diego. It's a move that inspires the city. It'll put butts in seats. It'll sell jerseys. It'll make them a better team. Do I see a World Series out of San Diego? No. And it has nothing to do with Juan Soto. It has to do with the fact that Joe Musgrove has come back to earth. Sean Manea looks toast. Uh, it has to do with a lot of other things in San Diego that they just didn't address. So you said Soto brings <clears throat> butts and seats, sells merchandise, makes them better. They're a better team, but not, like you said, they haven't. I don't. I wouldn't say they've leapfrogged anybody as well. Maybe one team, but that's debatable. But for what, Tom? You give up that haul for two years? So obviously they made the deal hoping or at least convinced in their mind that they're going to be able to extend him. Now, he turned out a 15-year, $440 million contract with Washington. You and I talked about this off-air before you went uh, went away. $500 million. Whether we agree or not, that seems to be the number. What's going to happen here? This, you know, the the kid's got he can do whatever he wants, barring any type of injury. So, San Diego, I don't think gives up that that package with the hopes of winning this year or next year. I think they did it for the long term, but I may be wrong. Tim, I think you are wrong. I, I disagree with you. San Diego's mo is, you know, get these big stars and then flip them. I think they got Juan Soto and they gave up this deal because their minor league system is absolutely stacked. The minor league system in San Diego is still stacked, even after they just released all these guys and and let them ship them out, right? I think they did that. I think that they're looking at Juan Soto and they're going, okay, get us to the playoffs this year, which we desperately need. Maybe we can catch lightning in a bottle. We're going to let you go for next year as well. And then when when we decide to trade you, we're still going to get prospects back. Think about it like this. If you have only one year of Juan Soto left, Tim, right? Mm-hmm. And just look at just Washington, for example. Just Washington, they give up five. I think they could get two of those guys back. So you can rent Juan Soto for a year and a half. See if you can get some World Series lightning in a bottle in the next year and a half. And then flip him for the last year to a Yankees, to a Sox, to a Houston. And flip him for a, two Pretty solid prospects. I think that they're able to do that. Because why? I've watched what San Diego does, Tim. And we've seen this. I know it's new ownership groups. I know it's general managers. I know. Tell me it's all new, 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 new. I get it. But I know what I've seen. And what I've seen time and time again, San Diego is going to go for it, right? I mean, they're taking that stab. I think it was a good move for San Diego. Because if it doesn't work out, they will be able to flip him. And if it does work out, they can sign him long-term. I think that San Diego is kind of in a good position here. I think it was a very – look, I'm not saying San Diego overpaid or underpaid. I think it was a move that is a very good move for Washington. I think it was a very good move for San Diego in one of those rare situations where I think both teams really made out well. Padres also – very busy, by the way, on Tuesday. They also add to the pen Josh Hader from Milwaukee. Were you – were you surprised the Brewers traded Hater? Just you know, obviously he was having a rough month of July or June and July. Was this a surprise to you? Had you I heard the rumblings that possibly he was on the move here? Yeah, I mean I had heard that um, because they're not going to re-sign him, and they had 
look, they had Devin Williams right behind him, ready to take over. Devin Williams is the best setup man in baseball right now. You know, um, I, I look. I think it's a massive move for Milwaukee. I, I, for for him to be, in a way, the face of the team, right? For him, uh, for Brewers fans to just look at him and go, "Okay, game's over when he's coming in there." Game's over. It's fantastic. That's it. But he's 28 years old. He's going to be 29. He's a free agent after next year. Milwaukee will not sign him. They sold on him high. What's surprising to me is that Milwaukee was in first place when they did it. But I wonder how much of his late season here, last couple of weeks, really contributed to that. Because he's got over a four ERA, Tim, which is just unlike him, right? He doesn't have a great strikeout ratio like I used to. he used to have. Five of the seven home runs he allowed uh, went in the last six appearances, Tim. I, I wonder if that contributed to it because I had read from someone from Milwaukee right after the All-Star game that there were internal conversations in Milwaukee should they flip-flop Hayter for Williams. And you know a lot of these, these teams, they don't like a lefty closer. So there was a lot of conversation. Should we flip Hater for Williams? Let Hater be the setup guy, the dominant lefty. Williams come in to be the closer. So they were already talking about that. Now, the return was a little surprising. First of all, Dinelson Lament, they, they just, they've already DFA'd him. He's not on the team anymore. <laughs> okay. Uh, Robert Gasser, I'm a good prospect guy, and I just don't like him at all. Ruiz is a really good player, and and maybe they get something out of Rodgers, but Rodgers has been pitching horrendously lately. I thought that they could have got more for Hayter had they shopped him around. I mean, the Yankees were dying, just to give you an example, Yankees are dying for a lefty. They were dying for bullpen help. Chapman hadn't looked good, and and they had lost a lot of guys. You're telling me they couldn't have gotten... All right, guys, welcome back. Heatwave Sports, Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com here, sitting in with Tim Unglesby. Two hours of sports talking. Well, look, we're talking trades, and it's all speculative of what you need. But one of the things I try to constantly tell people when they are evaluating trades, don't just look at the names against the names. Look at the team fits, because team fits are so important. When I went out there and I just said, and I know you guys could all write in, or it's at Tom Barton Sports or at HW Sports over on Twitter, 876-1340 is the phone number. And somebody just wrote in and said, how can you say that David Robertson is better than Josh Hader? Well, look, first of all, the numbers are there. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're not really looking at what David Robertson has done this year, uh, the guy's been spectacular. In 41 innings, he's got a 2.18 ERA, 1.01 whip, got 15 saves. He's got 53 Ks in 41 innings. He's also got playoff experience, which is, is very important. Josh Hader, look, I'm not taking anything away from the guy. He's been the best closer for the better part of, what, five years? I think that's a fair assessment about Josh Hader. The better part of five years, he has been the best closer in baseball. But so had rolled as Chapman. And Chapman hadn't looked good for a little brief moment there. Looks like Chapman's kind of getting his, his groove back. Looks like Chapman's getting a little bit better. But the Yankees still don't trust him to close. And Milwaukee started to start to waver on him. How long do you go with a closer that was getting blown up? 
How long do you go with somebody like that? I'm not saying that hater can't refine that immediately. But if you're telling me that he can refine that immediately, okay, well, he could refine it. Well, maybe Rodgers could have refound it, who, by the way, has 28 saves on the season as well. So I think in a playoff format, going from Rodgers to Hater can be devastatingly massive. It could be a giant leap. The numbers say, eh, it, it's a small leap. Going from the bullpen of Corey Knebel, Brad Hand, and Dominguez, who are all trying to find themselves, too young, no playoff experience, to David Robertson, it just helps massively. So, I, you know, I know everybody's going to make a big deal about the hater thing, as they should, as they absolutely should. But understand why I was saying evaluate trades. The San Diego Padres, they got better with Josh Hader. Philly got better with Robertson. I just think that Philly needed that move more than they de- than any other team. I think that Philly made potentially the best move. We'll say the best National League move. And I'm including, including Juan Soto. I'm including Josh Hader because of the need factor. Tim, am I overshooting it? No, I, I think I, yeah, it's... Trades are tra- the trade deadline is supposed to be how you position your team to either A, hold on to the to whatever lead you have, or make that push, right, Tom, to try to make the postseason and beyond. So I think what we saw a lot in the National League was, you said it best, Padres for the short push with long-term implications possibly, uh, Washington with a definitely a futures push. Funny that that team was a World Series champion just a few years ago. Same with, with Atlanta, just enough to sustain where you're at. The Mets to sustain where you're at. And then uh, teams like Philadelphia who are going to try to make a push here when, when Bryce comes back as well. Let's, let's shift over to the American League where now as a fan, Tom, you have a lot of eyes, both, both of your eyes strictly like looking at what other teams are doing, not only your team. So let's talk about the, your, your right now your nemesis in Houston, which is half a game behind the Yanks for home field in the American League. I wouldn't say they didn't make any uh, huge trades, Tom, but as far as depth goes, they had Trey Mancini, they had Christian Vasquez, and they bring Will Smith over from Atlanta, hoping that he can reclaim his form from last year and then even when he was in Houston the first time. What did you think of Houston? I think Houston is dangerous. You know, I think that they are still very dangerous. I mean, I, you know, Houston is able to, so are the Yankees, so are the Dodgers. They're able to take those swing and misses, right? So they got, I thought the Will Smith deal was interesting because Will Smith at a point earlier on in the season was the guy for Atlanta. He was going to be the closer. And then they they signed Kenley Jansen and it was, all right, he's going to be the setup guy. And then when Kenley went down, he even got some, some saves there, but he's been terrible for this year. And let's be honest, through his Atlanta reign outside of a brief playoff kind of spurt there, he's been pretty terrible on that team, but we've seen brilliant Will Smith. And as a Yankee fan facing Houston, Tim, no one's talking about Will Smith going there. As a Yankee fan facing Houston, I, I'm, I'm nervous about them. I don't want to face him in the seventh and eighth inning, coming out of the pen and maybe getting that playoff magic back. He was a he was one of those moves that I was like, ooh, that could be that swing and absolutely hit a home run kind of deal. And I like to stay divisions, but I'm going to jump around here because I think it kind of leads into – uh, the postseason and 
<clears throat> I assume I'll be seeing Houston and the Yankees playing for a right to go to the World Series. That's look, I'm not jumping off a bridge by by thinking that, right, Tom? I mean, by all all matters, those are the two best teams in the league, and built and how they're built for long playoff runs. But when you look at the Yankees, for instance, you guys don't get Castillo, but your next best. The next best guy to get was Frankie Montas. You were able to pull him off without uh, raiding the farm. I thought that was great that Cashman did that. So you move Montgomery and you put Montas there. When you look at Houston's rotation and the Yankees' rotation, if this goes to an ALCS situation, do you like what you see on your side versus what you see Houston's rotation looking like? Um. I came into the season, Tim, thinking that, wow, Houston has a lot of question marks. Javier hadn't pitched deep into games, and Verlander, I mean, how many innings are they going to let him have? And there was a lot of inning, inning questions. Lance McCullers, will he come back? How effective will he be? There was a lot of that. There was a lot of those questions for me, at least. Um, sitting back and you're going, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure what I'm going to get from this Houston rotation. Weirdly, I felt pretty confident in the Yankees rotation. Now, all of a sudden, that script is uh, flipped around. I have concerns about Garrett Cole like every Yankee fan does right now. I know he'll give me the innings, but I have concerns about Garrett Cole, and I think that every Yankee fan should. Nestor Cortez has been absolutely fantastic, Tim. Fantastic. The guy's never pitched more than 93 innings in a season. Luis Severino was going to be the guy. He was going to be the number two there, you know, maybe the number three. He was Well, he found out that they put him on the 60-day DL, and he kind of flipped out a little bit because he was ready to come back, like, next week. Now he's got to wait until mid-September. That's a weird situation going on there. And we have no idea how Frankie Montas is going to react to, in New York. Look, the Frankie Montas move is the move I wanted more than Castillo. I think he is just as good as Castillo. Yeah, I said it. I think his numbers show that he's just as good as Castillo. And I knew that the price tag was not going to be astronomical because the Luis Castillo price tag may have been greater than Juan Soto. And I'm not joking here. So I love the Montas move. I like the Lou Trevino coming with him move, Tim. I think the Scott Efros move was vastly underrated. Vastly underrated. So I liked everything the Yankees did. But you're asking me Houston against the Yankees? Look, Verlander with inning issues against Cole, who's having some issues. You got to lean Verlander, although maybe I'll sing a different tune in September and October. But right now it's Verlander. Nestor Cortez against what, a Javier? I'm going Cortez. So it does come down to kind of Hontas, doesn't it? Which is just a funny sit back and smile and laugh at that kind of situation. Does it come down to a Montas? Yeah, I think it does. I think he slots in as the Yankees three right now, and he's going to be the guy that kind of tips the scales or doesn't tip the scales, and the Yankees are going to be looking to a Luis Severino to kind of step it up. Montas will make his Yankee debut tomorrow, and the Yankees need him for sure, Tommy, on a four-game losing streak right now. Um, actually, let's do this. Mateo, play the disclaimer, and then we'll come right back so that way we don't have to take the break. Hour two, he waves sports, staying with the baseball top. So train of thought here would be when you look at the playoffs and who they decide is going to be in that rotation, 
you said it, Cole. Cortez, how he responds here in another month, we'll, we'll know, right? Montes was going to be that guy for the playoffs. You you have Tyon you can go to if you need to. And even Domingo. Oh, Hall, they're not going to Tyon. No way. No way. Tyon, Tyon is oh, – he, he, he looks terrible, Tim. He's, he's a disaster. What about Herman? He's pitched well his last two starts. Yeah, I think Severino slots in there earlier than him in the playoffs. But, yeah, Herman could certainly – I think Herman has definitely jumped over Tyon. Mm-hmm. Why not – I guess the question would be what happens if Cortez hits a wall in the next few weeks? What happens if um, Severino is not the guy? What do the Yankees do at that point? I think I think everything leans on Cole, and that's what he – look, they're expecting Montas to come in and play – be the number three. But if the Yankees have to ask Montas to be the number two, or if he proves, you know, just by the way he's pitching, that he can be a number two, Tim, then I, I think that, that that's not a terrible thing. And you go Cole one. That's why I think it's all that rest on Cole. You go Montas two. If Cortez, you know what, we worry about his innings, you put him in the bullpen. Severino comes back. We know he's been a bullpen guy. And then you go with a Herman or a Clark Schmidt. Um, uh, or, you know, somebody that could kind of fl- fill in and jump in there because the Yankees are really deep in the bullpen right now. Right now, you have Clay Holmes in the ninth, Aroldis Chapman in the eighth. You could go to Trevino in the seventh, uh, Marinaccio in the sixth. You know, Zach Britton's coming back. Let him give you, uh, you know, a fifth. I, you're, you're all of a sudden, you need four innings out of one of these guys. You know what I mean? The Yankees can put together a pretty good bullpen game if they really wanted to. And, and Scott Efros, there you go. It's a three-inning game. I just gave you I just gave you one guy per inning. I just made it a three-inning game. Can you go out there and get the, the you know, give me three innings to Domingo German uh, or, uh, you know, a Clark Schmidt or even a tie-on? Can you give me three, three innings? That's all we need. So being a fan, if you know... Cole's your guy. You're assuming Montes can step in in the two or a three. You're hoping Cortez stays the way he's going. You don't like Talion. Herman and Severino are there. Wouldn't it just been easier to keep Montgomery at least for the rest of the season, Tom? Yes. What, what, was, the, what was the deal? Why Harrison Bader? Was is this? I guess the the two part question is: Was Bader the deal? as protection for a center fielder when, when Judge leaves in the offseason? Is that what's going on? It very well might be. I think it's more that Aaron Hicks is just a despicable player at this point. Aaron Hicks is just garbage. He's straight garbage. He can't field. This is a guy that used to play center field, Tim, right? And they don't even trust him in center field. Instead, they got, you know, seven-foot Aaron Judge playing center field. I'm playing a well center field, but because Aaron Hicks can't field. He can't run anymore. The guy looks gimpier than I do out there. And he certainly can hit. He he basically hasn't had a hit, Tim, if you do the numbers. He basically hasn't had a hit in like eight or nine games. He's he's pathetic. He's just a pathetic baseball player right now. We all looked at Gallo, and we stared at Gallo, and we looked at Gallo's numbers. And it was Aaron Hicks that we should have been staring at. And we should have been going, what is going on with him? You know, tonight, John Smoltz. The ever I love John Smoltz as a pitcher, but as an announcer, I mean, you know, Aaron Hicks is kind of having a down year. Oh, you think? 281 at-bats, Tim. 
He's got 62 hits. He's got 221. He's got 74 strikeouts and 62 hits. I mean, I mean, the guy, he, he's just straight garbage. So I think that they're looking at it saying, yeah, maybe it is some judge insurance. I don't know how much I believe in that. I think that they were saying, look, we need to feel comfortable having an outfield where Giancarlo Stanton is not out there in, in the postseason. And we have to have Judge playing right, Bader playing a tremendous div- – I, I have two really good friends from St. Louis. They both texted me within minutes. And they said, man, you guys got a heck of a defensive player. And I texted them and said, I, don't, I didn't want to give up Montgomery. They said, you won't regret it. Uh, I think that the perfect outfield is you know, Ben Intendi, Bader, and, and Judge with Stanton as the DH. Hicks just can't be trusted in this lineup. He can't be trusted just overall – but specifically on defense where no one's paying attention. The guy's batting 212. He's a garbage player. But defensively, he's completely broken down also. It, it's hard to watch, man. Yeah, Bader brings speed to the, to the lineup, obviously, and, and defensively. Um, and you got, a, what, a couple more years you can controllable use there as well. <clears throat> when you when you look at the lineup, I, uh, actually, let me, let me back up. So you're in the – it's been a tough couple weeks for the Yanks, right? Is this just – Law of averages, Tom, that such a great start that now things are kind of evening out a little bit. But you, you kind of foreshadowed what was going to happen here. You weren't happy with the, the lead that the Yankees had. Not that they would blow the lead, but you weren't happy with how they got out to this great big start because all the expectations, a, a lot of people we know, uh, Jose V, big-time Yankee fan, calling World Series uh, you know, before the All-Star break, you foreshadowed this. There were issues that, that are now creeping their head, right? And, you know, a team like Houston, we've seen this year, they're not afraid of New York. No, and, and New York should be afraid of Houston because they've had their number. I, I, I have. I've been worried for all the entire year. First of all, nobody could have expected Clay Holmes to continue what he was doing. It, it just, there's just no track record for it. I mean, you know, it, it just wasn't going to do it. Michael King, the day Michael King went down, what I say to you, Tim? I said, uh-oh, Yankees are yeah. Because... Michael King was was the safety blanket for what Clay Holmes was. Um, but besides all that, think about what the Yankees were getting. You're getting ridiculous performances out of Aaron Judge, okay? Uh, Louis Trevino playing over his head. Anthony Rizzo had a first half that he's never had in his entire career. You can't expect that to last, right? Now, you could tell me that Donaldson and IKF um, and LeMahieu, well, they're going to play better. I don't know about that. I don't know about any of those guys. I will say that Stanton getting back and getting healthy makes me feel comfortable, but I see major problems with Garrett Cole. I see problems with Cortez because of the innings. I see problems in the rotation. I saw major problems in the bullpen because of injuries. Now, Cashman went out there and he said, all right, I'm going to fix the bullpen. I feel good with, with where the bullpen is. I do. I feel good with where the bullpen is right now. Do I feel good about the the you know, hitting, I feel a lot better when Bader's in there and Benintendi's in there as opposed to, you know, Hicks. I would call up Peraza. You don't need, you can't have kind of playing at all. I mean, the guy is just, he's just an empty batting. He's nothing. He's a nobody. He's like him and Hicks just get off the team at this point. So I still have my concerns, but it mainly lays in the starting pitching and the starting pitching where it all stems from Cole. And I got to see what Montas can give you. If Montas can step up and be what he has been, I just want him to be the back of his baseball card. 
Monta steps in as a three on the Yankees, a two in desperate times. Heck, he could even have number one numbers. And I, I'm expecting big things from Montas. I wanted him. I wanted him more than Castillo. And we'll see if I was right. Toronto, Tampa, Seattle, your wild cards right now. Baltimore game behind Cleveland, two. Chicago, White Sox, three. Boston, four. Boston, minor moves. Chicago and Cleveland virtually did nothing at the deadline. Baltimore traded off pieces, Tommy. So takes us to Seattle. Their big move, they bring in wait, Louis wait, wait, wait. Before you do anything, Tim, mm-hmm. you're a Baltimore fan. What the hell was that? And I'm sorry for saying that on the air. I usually don't, but the Baltimore Orioles are one and a half games back of a playoff race. They go out there and get rid of I get the Trey Mancini thing, okay? I, I kind of do, but I don't think they even got anything back from him. They, so they trade away Trey Mancini, who you'd love to have right in the middle of the lineup right now. You, you trade away your closer for virtually nothing, and you trade away your closer who had a good one-two setup guy. And I know you have somebody to step in, but you have a good one-two setup guy, and you're going, all right, I like what Baltimore's doing there, and, and you like that. But, Tim, if you're going to go out there and you're going to sell these guys and you're going to say to your fan base, yeah, we're not really going for for anything this year. We're not even going for that playoff spot. Why are you leaving a guy like Gunnar Henderson in the minor leagues? Why are you leaving a guy like D.L. Hall in the minor leagues? If you're going to sell, bring up the kids. Like, they don't make any sense in Baltimore right now. I have no no reasonable explanation for it at all. I, I, I'm just going to try to say that maybe Michael Elias thought that this wasn't going to continue, and he figured he better get something while he could. The, the Mancini... You asked me that a few weeks ago. I said you got to move him if you think the season's over. If you're in contention, though, and you think you have a chance, then you keep him because what's the return going to be for Trey? We saw what it was, lower-level minor leaguers. The Lopez deal doesn't make sense to me in that he's still controllable for two more years. I did not understand that at all. The first thing I texted you was that I, I don't understand what happened here other than do they not think that he's – a serviceable closer in the future and that maybe he's just having a hell of a season. I don't know. Either way, Tom, you're in a wild card race. You just moved your closer. And um, as far as, as far as the youngsters go, again, I don't, I don't know other than I don't think that he thought they would still continue to be doing this. And yet they've won five in a row since the deadline. So I don't know. I, I'm enjoying watching it, but at the same time, when I look 30 days from now, I don't expect him to be there, Tom. Yeah, I, I I just don't get it. And then to not bring up a guy like Gunnar Henderson. I mean, you know, this guy, we, we just talked about prospects. He's pretty much the number one prospect in the minor leagues, unless it's Hassel, okay? You're sitting there with that kind of talent. Oh, by the way, he plays a position where you have Jorge Mateo, who is a converted outfielder playing there, batting about 200 with almost no pop. Or do you want to bring up a DH like Vevra, okay? who is not even a top 10 prospect. Why are you allowing a guy like Gunnar Henderson to toil in the minor leagues? One and a half games, I think I think you bring Gunnar up, you bring D.L. Hall up, heck, you bring Westberg up, get rid of Odor, put Mateo back into a, a utility role. I think you guys make the playoffs and you give the fans a little something as well. Yeah. What, what's it going to hurt, right, Tom? What's it going to hurt? You put them in there, and what happens? What's the worst thing? What's the worst thing that could happen? They they 
Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. We're all familiar with each other in the minor leagues. Play because Rutschman, he's a tough start, but he's starting to put it together, right? Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, I like what, like I said, I'm enjoying it, but at the same time, if you're going to go for it, then go for it. Don't just leave it out there. I, I just, I don't know, Tom. It's, it's tough. It's tough because um, I think the schedule catches up to him here shortly. And, and you know, it's it's been a nice story, so we'll see what happens. But uh, the Lopez one bothered me a lot. The Mancini one I saw coming. But if, like you said, if you're going to do that, let's just bring them up. Let's do it. They're ready to go. Yeah, it didn't make any sense to me. It really didn't. All right, we could get on to the Castillo. I had to ask you about that, though. But we could get on to the – the Castillo situation, which I thought was a brilliant move for both teams, too. Does is he enough, though? Is it just a matter in Seattle of making the playoffs, Tom? Is he in, obviously he can get them there? But yes. Is it enough for them to do? Okay. Just That's making it, make the playoffs. Yeah. Tim, they're, they're, they're the longest American sports team right now with a playoff drought, right? I mean, just make it. You got to give Seattle something, and I think that the Seattle Mariners know that their future is really bright with Julio Rodriguez, even a guy like uh, Kalenic, Kirby's coming up. Uh, you know, you you have a, a slew of young guys ready to go, ready to be the next generation. You got, you have to go for. It. You can't get this close and not make that push. And uh, while you may not love the player. Um, and think that he's worth the crazy haul that they gave up. And they gave up a Juan Soto type of haul. What he did was he told young, influential, potentially MVP type of players, core type of World Series maybe type of players, here's what we're going for. it. We believe in you. You told the team that. You told the city that. It was a deal that had to be made. You just asked, is it enough to make it to the playoffs? If you're the Seattle Mariners, yes. Yes, it is. In the central, I said it, Cleveland, Chicago, virtually nothing at the deadline. The Twins, though, Tom, two-game lead in the central over Cleveland, three over the White Sox. Everybody had the White Sox winning that division. Now Minnesota has to hold on here. At the deadline, they add uh, Fulmer from Detroit. They add, as far as in the, in the, in the rotation, they add, they add an arm there. So they're keeping busy to win this division. Long term, I look at at the team and I think, well, it's the Twins. You know what happens when they get in the playoffs. Same? Yeah, and, and again, you know, I love the Fulmer move. I think he's, he's just a fantastic player. But who's the who's the Twins rotation, Tim? You know, let, let's go look at that. And let's just go see the Twins rotation when you turn around and you go, okay, who who are they going up against when you get to playoff time? We just mentioned the Astros. We just mentioned the Yankees, right? Who who do you feel comfortable in when you're talking about pitching? Joe Ryan? Okay. Yeah, he looks really good right now. Tim, we want to talk about innings problem. Yeah. Dylan Bundy? Sonny Gray in a pressure spot? Now, I love the Tyler Molly move. I do. But he's a three. Joe Ryan, you know, he, he's got two potential 
but because of the innings, I mean, he's a three. Dylan Bundy's a four. Sonny Gray's a three. Tyler Molly's a three. You start to laugh, really. I mean, you really had Chris, Chris Archer, right? You, you kind of start to chuckle a little bit when you start to go, okay, Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Sonny Gray, right? You know, you know Christian Javier, uh, Nestor Cortez, Tyler Molly. Like, it, it, they just don't have the guns there, man. It's like a rotation of retreads, basically, with the exception of Molly. Yeah. Not a number one, you know. I mean, that's, that's really what it is. And I, look, I like Tyler Molly. I really do. Um, I think he's massively underrated. The guy's got all kinds of potential, but he hasn't put it together yet. I mean, that's just reality. He hasn't put it together yet. Can he? Yeah, maybe he will. But he, he just hasn't done it yet. How about Toronto? Should make the playoffs here. The offense, no problem. Again, we're talking about what what they're going to do in the playoffs, Tommy. Does Toronto bother you? Ah, you know, they're always scary. I love their closer. You know, Romano is a shutdown guy. Alex Manoa is kind of becoming that that bulldog that I could see being a playoff guy. But they just don't have the experience. It's hard for me to be afraid of a team that's never been there. It's hard for me to be afraid of a team that – as good as Vlad is, as good as Bichette is, you know, Springer's now on the injured list. Alex Manoa looks good. Romano, uh, Romano's been good. Hey, they look good, Tim. They've never been there before. None of these guys have ever done it before. So I can't be afraid of you if you've just never proven that you can do it. I, I, it's just that simple. It's not that I feel comfortable in any way, shape, or form, Tim. I, I don't feel any sense of comfort against this team. I just look at the team and I go, you've just never done it before. Mm-hmm. Big acquisition was with Merrifield for <clears throat> veteran depth purposes. Um, now he becomes big with Springer on the DL. Yeah, you got to put a play in center for sure. All I, of I a sudden, with Merrifield, that acquisition looks pretty big. I think if you want to get into... Can can they go run for run with you if the bats are on? Obviously, but we'll we'll fall back to what we always talk about: pitching, specifically bullpen pitching, and experience. And you you just outlined it all for us right there. The, the most experienced teams in the American League in the postseason right now are Houston and New York, and that's that's the, the kind of where the train tracks are headed. Tom, I, I think I don't think we disagree, and I don't think that we think that there's a team that could sneak in there and surprise. I mean, kind of destiny is kind of saying these are going to be the teams. Yeah, I mean, look, the White Sox made me nervous for a little while. The way that Dylan Cease is pitching right now, and if you guys haven't noticed, he just broke Jacob deGrom's record for most games with two runs or less allowed consecutively, 13 now. The way Dylan Cease is pitching, he's pitching better than anybody in baseball. He scares me if he's able to continue something like this. Him at a one scares me. Lance Lynn is better than what we've seen this year. Lance Lynn is a two or even a three at this point. Yeah, he scares me. The White Sox are scary, especially the back end with a Graveman. And then you got a Hendricks there. Uh, They have hitters in that lineup that have underperformed. The White Sox are still a scary team, Tim. I I don't buy into Cleveland. I don't buy into Minnesota. 
you can't get me to buy into Seattle because I think the innings limit is just going to kind of catch up with them. You can't get me to buy into Tampa, the Red Sox, Toronto. The White Sox can be a team that scares me. Lance Lynn, who spent most of the year on the DL, Tom, and struggled at coming back. He's actually pitched well two of his last three starts. You mentioned Cease has been just unconscious. And so it, it essentially comes down to Giolito, who has looked great in, at times, and then he has a hiccup in the road, but he's able to get back on track. Um, yeah, I, I think offensively, you know, when you look at that lineup, Tom, they, they can score runs too. It's just they can keep their manager from falling asleep on, in the dugout. They, they should be okay. I, th- I think Chicago... They make a lot of errors, Tim. They do make a lot of errors. And, you know, they're pitching. Look, I keep saying Lance Lynn is a scary guy, but he hasn't really shown it this year. He's not the same Lance Lynn. Um, you just mentioned Giolito. Giolito can be scary. He hasn't looked scary this year. You know, so there, there's some of that too. Yeah, no, no, I completely agree. I think we're talking even deep in the playoffs, seven-game series, I, I still lean Houston can take them out, the Yankees can take them out. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, they'll be massive underdogs to both. But they are the third team there. That scares me. You know, obviously the Astros, but they're the third team. Anything we failed to, to hit here on the trade deadline deals that you know of? Yeah, I thought one of the interesting points that we should throw out here, Tim, is uh, the Boston Red Sox didn't do much. And Boston's in a weird position where they have to sign Devers. People think Bogarts is out of town. J.D. Martinez was all but traded. Chris Sales banged up. They don't have a closer. Their starting pitching is kind of thrown together. They kept Ivaldi. I don't know if Boston has a direction. I don't know if the Red Sox have a direction. And that's the first time I can say that in 30 years, Tim. We've always known since you know they came in and uh, you, know, you, you know Theo Epstein took over. They've had a direction on that team. There's no direction in Boston right now. And I find it really suspicious what's going on. I don't know what's happening in Boston. They seem like that team that you go, oh, maybe they'll be in on the Soto. And then you're like, wait a minute, they're not even re-signing Devers? They're not even re-signing Bogarts? Uh, what's happening in Boston? I don't have answers for what's happening in Boston. But I find it very interesting. Even their, their young rookie, Duran, when he comes up, they, they DFA Jackie Bradley. They bring this guy up. And then kind of bench him because he doesn't hustle. He doesn't run out the ball. So they go get Tommy Pham? I mean, what kind of band-aid is this? The Red Sox are a weird team right now to me. I think you're okay with that, Tom. I, I Listen, I love it. I just, <laughs> you know, with Boston, it's one of those, you, you almost fear them because you're going, what What are they doing? You know, what's the other sh- shooter drop here, Tim, right? Like, like. What's going on here? What, what, what can what can they be thinking? Uh, and I don't know. I really, I just, I don't have an answer uh, for what's going on in Boston. I thought it was really weird that they were quiet on both fronts. They didn't sell, right? But they didn't buy. They, I thought they were weirdly quiet on both fronts. I think that kind of brings us up to date with baseball as we move into August. When we come back from the timeout, we're going to shift over to the National Football League. Training camps are wide open. We had a preseason game on Thursday. 
week one preseason coming up this weekend. We'll talk about the National Football League in a quick few short minutes. Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Other sports services spend hundreds of thousands of dollars training salesmen day in and day out to learn rebuttals and techniques on how to sell you and take your money. TomBartonSports.com doesn't employ any salesmen. We don't have rebuttals or techniques because, well, our winning and honesty speaks for itself. TomBartonSports.com is the best in the business. TomBartonSports.com charges less than $100 for 30 days of service, and there is no fine print. 30 days, every play, every level, not another penny. That means no salesman asking you for commission, no salesman telling you to bet out of your comfort zone, no salesman, period. So this year, when they call you and try and convince you they have that can't-miss lock of the century, you tell them you decided to go with the sports handicapper who's never had a losing season and who Gaming Today called the honest handicapper, TomBartonSports.com. TomBartonSports.com is an informational site only and does not accept wagers. Right now, save $800 on a Purple Mattress Hybrid Sleep System that lets you sleep softly, but firmly, and at the perfect temperature. Plus, get up to a $300 free gift. Quick delivery and easy financing, too. Best mattress. Sleep easy, friends. Diversion Amusements will host the ultimate pre-game football watch party. You need to be there. Sunday, August 14th, doors open at 9 a.m. This is the place to watch your home team just blocks away from Allegiant Stadium. Check it out. Diversion Amusements has both an early tailgate party as well as a viewing party for the home games. Your choice. Here's why Diversion Amusements is your viewing party headquarters. Free pinball and arcade games and so much more. A huge LED video wall along with 38 big screen TVs. The viewing party includes all you can eat premium game day food, unlimited draft beers and seltzers until the third quarter, plus buckets of beer and drink specials. For the preseason game against Minnesota, general admission is just $79, plus tax and fees. But right now, they're doing a buy one, get one. VIP tables start at $99, and you can also get the buy one, get one for the VIP. On-site parking, free prizes, general admission and VIP transportation all available for the tailgate. For tickets and more information, visit DA.Vegas. That's DA.Vegas. Please celebrate responsibly. Must be 21. Are you aware approximately 15% of all babies have complicated births? Time to make a difference. Positively Kids is here to help. Hello, I'm Fred Schultz, CEO of Positively Kids. For over 20 years, our local nonprofit has provided care to thousands of children in Southern Nevada. Our mission is to help children with critical health care needs so they can reach their full potential. Please visit PositivelyKids.org to find out more about the services we provide and how they may be able to help a child you know or how you may be able to help us. Check out PositivelyKids.org. Lincoln Black Label is your invitation to a uniquely elevated automotive experience revolving around you, including pickup and delivery, premium maintenance, vehicle care, Lincoln Concierge, travel collection, and culinary collection. Finley Lincoln is here to surprise and delight you all the way through your effortless experience. Thinking Lincoln? Then think Finley Lincoln in the Valley Auto Mall, Nevada's only standalone Lincoln Black Label dealership. So the car market went nuts, and now it's come down. This summer, it's higher than hell and hotter than hell. At GiveMeTheVin.com. You need to sell your car before the end of August if you want to sell it for this crazy high money. Because I've been doing this 26 years, and it's going to come down again in September. Fastest deal on the planet. GiveMeTheVin.com. America's best car buyer. Sell us your car. GiveMeTheVin.com. So easy you can do it in your eyes. 
I'm attorney Paul Powell. Have you been injured in a crash? Do you want to win your case? Do you want the insurance companies saying, It's Paul Powell! Of course you do. I've spent almost 20 years helping injury victims get paid, and I for sure can help you. If you're tired of greedy lawyers, call 728-5500 or go to paulpowell.com. I really can help. Paul Powell. More lawyer, less fee. Some restrictions apply. Brakes Only Mobile Services Shop is where you are. But if it ain't broke, we don't want to fix it. Brakes Only will fix brakes on domestic and foreign cars, medium and heavy-duty trucks, and business fleets. Tires? Nope. Oil changes? Nope. We service brakes only. Call 888-493-3666 to set up your brake job now. Or visit us at brakesonly.net. We do not service bicycles, rollerblades, or construction equipment, as we could be crushed and it would be you to blame. We take cash, credit, Venmo, and Zelle. Tips and gift cards, prepaid cards, thank you cards with gift certificates to fast food joints or restaurants. We are ADA approved since we come to your place. We love pets and they may choose us over you. Juice boxes are our favorites. Are you aware approximately 15% of all babies have complicated births? Time to make a difference. Positively Kids is here to help. Hello, I'm Fred Schultz, CEO of Positively Kids. For over 20 years, our local nonprofit has provided care to thousands of children in Southern Nevada. Our mission is to help children with critical health care needs so they can reach their full potential. Please visit PositivelyKids.org to find out more about the services we provide and how they may be able to help a child you know or how you may be able to help us. Check out PositivelyKids.org. Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. You can always get interactive with Tommy and myself over at Tom Martin Sports or at HW Sports over on Twitter. 876-1340 is the Heatwave hotline. And we're going to spend the rest of the show, Tom, talking about the National Football League. We had our first exhibition taste on Thursday night with the Raiders playing and that leads into this week's week one games but really it's all about the news coming out of the camps now that everybody's open everybody's there's position battles the attention always Tom centers around the quarterbacks in this league yeah they do and uh, you know the the immediate news that starts coming out we always hear in camp that everything's great everything's wonderful uh, you know, everyone's in the greatest shape of their lives. And I tell everybody, I tell sports betters, I tell everybody, don't pay attention to anything that comes out uh, that is a good thing, right? You never want to hear, ah, oh, it's just amazing, ah, oh, it's crazy. But also, don't pay attention to things that are necessarily bad. Remember last year, we were sitting here, and, and there was a certain guy uh, who just couldn't catch the ball. Ha, 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 he had the dropsies. This wide receiver from LSU, you might have heard of him, you know, and... Uh, yeah, it was preseason garbage. So I don't really concentrate on that. But I do concentrate on injuries and depth charts, Tim. I know it's early, but you have to concentrate on The One of the injuries that came out really does mean something. And that's Matthew Stafford has kind of a dead arm. Matthew Stafford is having problems. Now, today, apparently he threw and he looked great. And everybody says, okay, no problem. But Matthew Stafford having arm problems as a 34-year-old quarterback, that's a problem, right? I mean, it's an elbow problem. If this was a starting pitcher, people would be losing their minds, right? I mean, they they would be going crazy, Tim. I know it's not a starting pitcher, and it may amount to almost nothing. But last year, again, 17-game season, he attempted 601 passes. 
601 passes, Tim. And you go, well, he's done that before. Yeah, he hadn't broken that mark since, you know, 2014. And this is a guy that has had injuries before. In 2010, he was banged up. In 2019, he was banged up, only played eight games. He does have some problems, and he's had some problems. He had a career year for a team that wants to throw all day long. They want to throw, throw, throw. I'm not saying don't bet the Rams right now. I'm not saying look at the Rams any different. But I'm watching this story, that's for sure. Why Why is it even, why would they even release that kind of news or information? Well, he wasn't out on the field. So the minute the guy's not out on the field, your starting quarterback isn't taking snaps, right? And you see him holding his arm, and he's, he's kind of in pain. All of a sudden, you start to question things. All of a sudden, you start to go, hmm, what, what, what's that all about? What, why, why, why is he doing that with his arm? Why, why, why is he having that kind of a you know, question mark? So I don't think that it's something to go crazy about right now, but it's something I'm watching from a guy who's an aging quarterback. You know, we've gotten into an age. Tom Brady kind of reset everything. If we go back 10 years from now, and I told you a 34-year-old quarterback is having arm problems, you're going, gasp, uh-oh, he's done. Because 34 was old for a quarterback. Now, because we have Tom Brady playing, you know, it's like 75 years old, we kind of reset things up. I've said this about Aaron Rodgers over the last couple of years. Like, guys, he's not as young as you think he is just because guys are playing longer now. 34 years old is still a 34-year-old. And he took a lot of hits in Detroit, a lot of hits in Detroit. He also threw a lot of passes in Detroit. Tim, this isn't a, a story yet, but it wouldn't surprise me if it becomes a story. You mentioned depth charts and paying attention to them. So when we're talking about some of the younger quarterbacks in the NFL, Trey Lance was behind Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously, and now Shanahan waits till basically Garoppolo goes under the knife to say, eh, Lance is our guy anyways, so we're going we're gonna to move on from Jimmy and Trey's, Trey's a guy. I thought that was kind of a, a, an ass move there by Shanahan, but I get it. We all knew this was coming. I saw the Pittsburgh depth chart come out, Tommy, and, and Pickett is not, is not the starter right now. He's not even the backup. He's the third guy. Mitchell Trubisky is technically penciled in at number one as a Steeler. Mason Rudolph would be number two. Tim, from a sports world, after New York and Las Vegas, I am dialed into Pittsburgh as much as anybody else. Um, some of my biggest guests that, that I go to consistently, Josh Taylor from CBS Pittsburgh, uh, Ryan Shazier, LeVon Kirkland, all have Pittsburgh ties. Guys that, that I really, really do trust in the business. And what I've heard is actually, Tim, Mason Rudolph is playing better than both Pickett and Trubinsky. Mason Rudolph is actually looking the best in camp. That's not to say that, oh, man, Mason Rudolph is crushing it. It's That's how bad Pickett and Trubisky has played. Um, that's not good. Now, I know it's early in camp. I get it. But you thought Mitchell Trubisky would take a step up after being with Brian Dayball and learning under Josh Allen. Plus, look, when he was with Chicago, you know, he did have some talent and he did get them to the playoffs, despite horrendous, horrendous coaching from Matt Nagy. So you expect him to kind of hit the ground running. He has not. Kenny Pickett, okay, you expect a rookie to have some slow time, but he's third on the depth chart. And from the guys that I hear in Pittsburgh, Tim, he is in absolutely no competition to move up. It's not a situation 
where you're going, oh, yeah, you know, he's making the push. No, 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 no. This is a little bit rough. If you're a Kenny Pickett fan, if you're a Steelers fan, this is absolutely not what you wanted to read. What about the situation in San Francisco with, with Lance? It's kind of put up or shut up time now. Yeah, what I and what I keep hearing about as San Francisco, and here you go, Tim, right? What do you expect once they named him the, the starter? Everybody loves him. George Kittle thinks he's going to be amazing. Debo Samuel's finally happy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Pro Football Focus's Doug Kyed reported that he believes that Lance can be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Oh, yeah, he's going to be amazing. Uh, you know, he just looks great. Look, I am somebody that I could I could vehemently say I knew about Trey Lance before most of the country. I talked about him on this show <laughs> in his first year in college. I had somebody on my Sports Garden Network on that did nothing but uh, basically North Dakota State football. I interviewed him a couple of times because the kind of season that this guy was playing in 2019 for North Dakota State was, was just unheard of, where he had only three or four interceptions the entire year. Um, with that being said, I also sat back and said, he needs some time. The 49ers are a very complicated offense. Shanahan runs complicated offenses. I think Trey Lance could get by in this league on pure athleticism. There are quarterbacks that can get by on pure athleticism. It doesn't mean it's going to be winning football. It doesn't mean it's going to be Shanahan football. So I'd be really, really nervous to anoint him anything more than an athletic quarterback right now. Because what we saw the glimpses of him, Tim, if he's in trouble, he can run, right? I mean, if he's in trouble, he can, he can run, he can create things, he can scramble out of the pocket. That only lasts for so long, and we know that. You don't want that on a San Francisco team where you have Debo Samuel, you have George Kittle. I mean, you don't want that if you're trying to push the ball downfield. So I'm looking at Trey Lance and I'm saying, I've seen the potential for three years now, four years. I've watched the potential of of Trey Lance. I think that he has a chance to be a top 10 quarterback in this league. I think he's got a chance to make an MVP run. I think he's got it all, but I don't think it for 2022. And I'm watching film on Trey Lance in the preseason and watching everybody's head turn because of their athleticism. But that doesn't mean that's going to equate to success at the quarterback position. It'll create for some fun plays, but not exactly success. Tom, you always say don't necessarily believe everything you read or hear. What's going on in New York where reports are that 37-year-old Joe Flacco is out playing Zach Wilson for the Jet job? Yeah, kind of funny, right? Um, I, I've heard that from every reporter. I don't know if this is more of building up Joe Flacco, because even the, the Jets coaches said it. I don't know if it's more of building up Joe Flacco or just kind of taking some pressure off of Wilson. I mean, Wilson's going to be the starter no matter what, no matter how Flacco plays. It doesn't really matter. So maybe it's just building a little hype, getting him a little you know, a little boost a little rocket fuel under his, uh, you know what, right? Maybe, maybe that's what we're looking at. Maybe that's what it is here, Tim. Um, very potentially. Uh, but look, early reports, you don't like to hear that. It, it sounds like a good thing for the Jets, but it's not because that means he's outplaying Wilson, who has great athleticism. But again, he's got to put it together on the field. What about in, in Tim, what about in Carolina? Because I'm, I'm a little weirded out about you know, Matt Rule has said he will not make a decision on the team's starting quarterback 
before August 19th, the second preseason game. He said he won't make any major decisions on the position. He won't put a timetable on it. But he basically did put a timetable on it, right? Uh, it, it's going to be that week. And it, you go through it and you go, look, Sam Darnold, he's shown glimpses. But Baker Mayfield is, is much better. The brief time that we've seen with Baker just on this team, he's impressed. You see the deep throw is back. You have a guy like DJ Moore. You have a guy like Robbie Anderson. You want Mayfield back there. Is Matt Rule doing this, Tim? Because Matt Rule's trying to leave it open and give Sam Donald a fighting chance? Or is Matt Rule doing this because Matt Rule made a lot of bad coaching decisions and here's just another one? I think maybe it's more of, like you said, with with the Wilson situation, maybe he's taking some of that pressure off Mayfield. You know, a lot has gone on in the offseason with Baker Mayfield, and they blame him for Cleveland's woes, and we all know it wasn't 100% his fault, obviously. And now he's pushed into this situation in Carolina where he's just, you said it, Matt Rule's bad, bad decisions with the quarterback position there in his time in Carolina. I, I, I want to say, I, at least I would hope, it's like more of a deflection thing than to, to let Baker kind of be comfortable. But I think we all saw, we see the difference. It doesn't matter the change of scenery, I think, for Baker is probably better. I, I assume ba- Baker's a playoff, he's a playoff experienced quarterback. Darnold, he struggles. He struggled a lot in his two stops. So I, I think, I, at least I'm hoping, Tom, it's a deflection purpose. But who knows in that rule? I, I expect Baker Mayfield to be the starting quarterback when he takes on his former team in week one. Well, can, can I can I give you the correct counter argument here, Tim? Yeah. I don't I don't think you'd do this with Baker Mayfield. And let, let me give you a reason why here. With Baker Mayfield, any any other quarterback battle, I get it. All right, you're going to want to push these guys. You want to compete and let's go. It's anyone's job. You go out there. You know, Patrick Mahomes back up. Well, you got a chance, you know. I mean, I get that mentality. Okay, Baker Mayfield just went from a team in Cleveland that clearly didn't want him. He played through pain in Cleveland for a coach, a general manager, a fan base that didn't want him. He played through pain and lowered his value in this league because they didn't want him. They told him flat out when they signed Deshaun Watson and didn't even release him, we don't want you. We don't want you. Wouldn't you want to build this guy up? It's not time to break Baker Mayfield down. I would have gone about bringing, if I'm Matt Rule, Baker Mayfield comes here, and in the first week I go, I've never seen such a talented athlete. My goodness. Wow. He's a hundred. You know, I went back and I looked at the tape last year. He was clearly injured. Everything that I see with Baker Mayfield is unbelievable. I want to build Baker's ego past his head. I want him to be completely on cloud nine because Everybody hasn't wanted you for a year, Baker. The fans didn't want you. The fans didn't like you. The general manager didn't want you. The the teammates didn't want you. No one supported you. You had nobody. But now in Carolina, we're here with open arms. We love you. You're amazing. That's where I would have went with Baker. The fact that they're making him compete with Sam Darnold and being not only making him do it, being so brass about, it doesn't matter what you do. I'm not naming anybody for like two weeks. To me, it's more of beating Baker down when he needs to be lifted up right now. Does Matt Rule have a say in 
in player personnel? Yeah, I, I think he has to. No, Although he wanted Baker, right? Right. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, you got a point. Yes, it should be enough. But I don't know, Tim. That's kind of the argument of like your wife saying, you know, hey, you know, you don't bring me flowers anymore. You go, ah, but you got a roof over your head. You know. <laughs> Well, I haven't left you for that 19-year-old yet, you know? <laughs> I, I know what you're saying in theory. Uh, you know, yeah, well, we went out there, we got you. But I just think that Baker is the type of guy that would respond well to the overwhelming support right now because of what he's just been through. Yeah, I, I agree with that assessment as well. I think beaten down for years, you're the reason why Cleveland stinks. You're terrible. Uh, you're cocky and you have nothing to show for it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I like, look, I didn't like him in college. I definitely didn't like him in Cleveland. I kind of like him in Carolina, Tom. I really do. I think there's no pressure there for him. And um, look, is that division winnable? I mean, Tampa's probably the team, right? But I think Carolina can be there. So if he gets hot, and they have the weapons. They have some good offensive weapons there. If they get hot, they're dangerous. And, and we've seen how Baker played in Cleveland when he was confident. Look, they went to the playoffs that year. So we know it can be done. So, yeah, I I, I agree with that assessment. And maybe I don't know what Matt Rule's doing other than, like you said, is he trying to motivate Darnold to be a better backup? I don't know at this point. Or light a fire under uh, Baker. I'm not sure he needs that as much as, like you said, just to, the, to know that he's the guy there and let him do his thing. The last thing Baker Mayfield needs right now is a fire lit under him. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that Baker's going to have a great year. And I've never been a Baker fan, okay? Uh, but And you go back to his college days, grabbing his crotch and flip. I think a an angry chip on your shoulder, Baker, is what is needed. It's kind of funny. It, it, I was watching Rocky Three with my son tonight, and it's the first time he's ever seen it. And it's the one where he fa- faces Clubber Wang and, you know, um, Mick tells him, you know, you haven't been hungry since you won that title. And Apollo brings him back to basics. And he's like, all right, you got to be, you got to be, you know, you, you got to go back down to the dirty and be basics and, you know, be that guy. And that's, that's what he's got to be because he lost himself with his nice suits and whatnot. Baker Mayfield is Rocky three, man. You know, we didn't like you. When you were a jerk and grabbing your crotch and flipping out and running on the sideline. But guess what? You were effective and you were a player back then. Somewhere along the way, you learned to be corporate. Somewhere along the way, you try to play nice with everybody. I want that attitude Baker back, Tim. And I think he can have it in Carolina if Matt Rule doesn't ruin him. You want the attitude back, but you want it with maturity. You can have the attitude, but be mature because that, you know, when you're in your own head, I think that's where where Baker's problems was that when it went bad for him in Cleveland, you said it. Coaching staff abandoned him, GM abandoned him, and the, and the fans just completely turned on the guy, and it affected him. And he's, there were still times he was amazing, Tom. He's got a clean slate now in Carolina. How much? I'll call it right now. As long as he's a starter, do you like Carolina in Week One? Yeah, I, I think you have to, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I. I do. I think you have to. And I'll tell you what, I'm not ruling Carolina out of the playoffs. I'm really not. I like their defense. I Look, I don't like Matt Rule. I did. I thought he was a good, the right hire. I don't like what I've seen from him. 
But I think Carolina is really underrated. I, you look at the, the just the early divisions, and you're going, all right, you know, your Green Bay and Minnesota are going to be in battle, but Detroit and Chicago don't look like they're, they're going to be there. Giants don't look like they're going to be there. Washington, Philly, Dallas, maybe one team gets out there. The West is going to beat themselves up. It's certainly not going to be Seattle. I'm not sure if it's going to be Arizona. Uh, San Francisco is still up in the air. There's a lot of empty spots open. I think Carolina can be better than the Saints in that division. I think Carolina is going to be battle- battling if Baker's back. They could be battling for a playoff spot. If you're a Panther fan, <clears throat> which I can quasi kind of beat, Tom, I, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm circled them. I've eyeballed them. Like I said, I wasn't a Mayfield fan at all. I like him there, though. If McCaffrey is healthy, they're going to be very, very hard to beat. Yeah, McCaffrey. And Mo- people don't understand, Moore and Anderson are actually a real good one-two duo there. Um, Chin is one of the, the – you know how much I like him. One of the best secondary guys in the league that nobody even knows his name. I think they can be uh, – look, I would say, again – the 17-game schedule screwing up my, my 20 years of broadcasting because normally I go, ah, eh, they're a 500 team, but you know what? I think they could go 9-7. and seven. I, I think they could win nine games here, Tim, and I think 9-8 and eight might catch you in the playoffs in the NFC. Real quick before I move on to one more team, McCaffrey, draft. He he won, a, he won my only, in, in the existence of the Heat Wave Sports League, going well into double digits. I have one championship, and it was because of Christian McCaffrey. He, I rode him to the title. We, we remember that year. I also took him last year, Tom, in the first round, and he screwed me completely. Where do you, where do you pick him up this year if, if, you're, uh, if you're drafting? Oh, this is good. Um, I was just having this conversation about Derrick Henry or Christian McCaffrey, and I, I, think, I think they're a coin flip. You know – if you want to go running backs, I, I look, I think he's a top 10 pick, clearly. I, I think he almost has to be a top five pick. Mm-hmm. I am in a position where Jonathan Taylor has to go number one, and then everybody after Jonathan Taylor is kind of a question mark. Even in Eckler, I, I think he's going to have less you know, say. You could go as high as Christian McCaffrey, too. Now, if you're a wide receiver guy, I like the security of a Justin Jefferson or a Jamar Chase or a Cooper Cup there. I'm not a wide receiver guy. I never do that. So am I taking McCaffrey over Henry? Uh, probably not. But it's close. I'll, I'll say McCaffrey is surely in the top five. He may very well be number three. Where do you have him? The guy that won you the championship but burned you last year. <laughs> Usually when you burn me, I kind of stay away from you. I just I got the voodoo jinx on him. I don't know, Tom. I don't know. I, I like Cook before McCaffrey, I think. Oh, see, you know, here, here's why I don't like Cook, I'll tell you. I, don't, I, I think Minnesota's really underrated this year. I like the coaching change. I think Jefferson has a, a, a Cooper Cup light kind of year. I am big on Minnesota this year. Their defense is much better. But I don't like Cook. Cook is going – you know Cook's going to miss two, three starts. It just always happens. Cook is also going from a run first, run second, run third, run always kind of offense to now a throwing offense. So I look at Cook as, as a guy that might be more productive when he's on the field and gets the touches, but he's getting nowhere. He's never going to get the touches that we all think that he's going to get. 
But McCaffrey in the last three years has missed two seasons basically due to injury. His injuries seem to be lingering. Is that yeah? I don't like. Know? That's the thing. I don't like taking. I would take a Jefferson or a Chase over him just because I don't like coin flips. Mm-hmm. Even Henry coming back, you know, with the foot injury. All right, it, it's Derrick Henry, and the only reason I would take him over Christian McCaffrey is because he is the offense, and McCaffrey's had multiple injuries. I don't like in the first round taking taking the shot. For me, I like stability. I like to know what I'm getting out. And you're giving me an option. The problem is, is that with running backs in the first round in the fantasy draft, Tim, they all seem to have questions this year. Now, you and I are in another league, and I saw you acquire Derrick Henry via the trade because you could, right? And if he's healthy, that that's a guy who can lead you to the championship. Yeah, look, I traded him for C.D. Lamb. And my, my thing was this, if... <laughs> Again, I don't like wide receivers. If C.D. Lamb has a great year, he's probably going for what? 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns. If Derrick Henry has a mediocre year, he's going for 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, I, I roll the dice with somebody in Derrick Henry where I, I have a potential of 15 to 20 touchdowns, 1,500 to 2,000 yards. As good as C.D. Lamb could be, he's just not going to get those numbers. And you you say mediocre, he could pull a hamstring and miss six games and still run for fifteen hundred yards. So yeah, that's the thing. I on a, on a per game basis, um, I'll, I'll take Derrick Henry because I know when he's in there, he's going to be fantastic. And if he's not in there, I feel confident in myself. And this is cocky, but it's confident in myself that I could go out there and pick a backup that I can feel comfortable with for three four games. I'll go get a guy like a Naeem Hines or something like that. Um, where I could fill in three, four games or whatever. If Derek Henry goes down for the year, he goes down for the year. There's nothing you can do about that. Got about five minutes, Tom. I wanted to bring up one more team. And look, we're going to talk football the rest of the month leading into week one. But this just popped up, and I had to ask you a question because you, you're right there in the neck of it with the Giants. You mentioned the Giants probably not doing anything. So when you look at uh, Jones, the quarterback, and Barkley, the running back, playing in their, essentially their contract years. Does that does that uh, change anything for you? You know, Barkley's historically again injured almost every season, and Jones, not even the injuries as much as the inconsistency at the quarterback position. Yeah, Jones is just not a quarterback in the NFL. Um, I like Dable going over. I like Brian Dable going over. I like that they're going to be, you know, they're going to be coached by good coaching. They're going to be an improved team. They have some weapons. I just don't think it comes together that quickly for them. And again, I can't trust Barkley. You can look at Barkley and say, hey, look, he's 25 years old. He's still explosive as anything. Yes, but he's the focal point of an offense that has a weak offensive line and a bad quarterback. I don't expect much from the Giants. I think they'll have a couple of games strictly because of a Brian Dable. I think they'll have a couple of games where they're going to surprise some people. I think they're going to have a couple of games where all of a sudden you're going to see um, Saquon take over. But I can't trust Saquon Barkley to play 17 games, and I can't trust Daniel Jones to play 17 quality games. I think that the Giants are looking for a new quarterback after this year. What about Barkley? You let him go? Uh, say he has an average year. Just say it's average, nothing spectacular. You just, is it you know, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to think of him playing somewhere else, but Tim – 
Brian Dable is not a run first guy. Yeah. You know, I, I think it would be the cost. Look, if the Giants go out and they are bad enough to get a top 10 pick, and this, by the way, is going to be a good quarterback draft coming up, then you can sign Barkley because you're going to be playing with your quarterback on a, on a rookie contract, right? So that works out. If they feel like Daniel Jones is going to be their guy or they have to go to a veteran, uh, Trubinsky or something like that, then no, you can't bring Barkley back. I think it depends on how bad the Giants are. The worst thing for the Giants would be for them to be a quasi-playoff team, win seven, eight games, and get picked like 15, 14. You know, if you're a Giant fan, if it's not going to work this year and you don't see the improvement from Jones and Barkley, then you want to win like three, four games. Get a top five pick, go get one of those rookie contracts, and then you could re-sign Barkley. I, I, when I look at this team, I really cannot see them winning more than five games. Tom, they're terrible offensively, absolutely terrible. Yeah, it, it's just the day ball factor, though. I mean, the coaching change is pretty massive, Tim. I mean, it really is pretty massive. Galladay, Tony, I don't even know if Sterling Shepard's playing this year, Tom. That's that's their top receiving core. I don't know the, who's the tight end there. Uh, Danny Bellinger, that's their tight end. You know, Barkley's going to get, if he's healthy, he'll get a great amount of carries. There's no doubt about that. But you said it. How can you trust the guy to be healthy? And after that, who's the backup Who's the backup running back in in, in New York? The yeah, Matt Brady well, still? That's... You know, it's it's terrible. Yeah, it is. It's, it's <laughs> Tim, I'm not painting a rosy picture in New York. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm not. Tommy is back. He's refreshed. He's recharged. But that doesn't – that never squi- – uh, Tommy, that never factored into what you're doing over at TomBartonSports.com, winning games. You're camping and winning games. It's, it's crazy how you do it, but you've done this for well over a decade. Talk about the website and all the other good stuff you're doing, YouTube, get the podcast, big-time radio show tomorrow morning as well. Yeah, radio show tomorrow morning. I'm also going to start previewing the divisions on my YouTube channel. It's Tom Barton Sports over on YouTube. Sign up now, guys. You guys sign up tonight, and you let me know. Sign up at TomBartonSports.com. Not only am I going to give you the rest of August, I'm going to give you all of September at TomBartonSports.com. Two months of service for less than $100. It's TomBartonSports.com. Tommy, we're going to start our college football previews tomorrow. Not the big ones. We'll start start on the lower ends, but I'll, I'll send you a text tomorrow about where we're going to go but we're officially in it put put the pedal to the metal it's football time i am pumped up tim can't wait for tom barton tim unglesby mateo have a great rest of your saturday night we'll talk to you tomorrow night at 10 o'clock right here on fox sports radio las vegas 989 fm 1340 a.m good night Eyes on the prize, yeah, this is what it takes Eyes on the prize when it's made